The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. This is Joyce Bender. Always excited to talk to all of you. Happy New Year. I hope everyone's on target with their resolutions, although I heard on the news that within the first two weeks, the majority of people already broke those resolutions. But hey, I know you are on it, right? Well, you're going to really love this show today because we have a very, very special guest who is the Chief Civilian Human Resources Division of the Recruitment and Retention Branch for the United States Army Medical Command. And that person is Dr. Joseph Harrison, Jr. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Joyce. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. And I'm very, very honored to have you on the show because what you do is near and dear to all of us. So it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I really do. Well, hey, for our listeners throughout the United States and later on when it's replayed throughout the world, how about if you begin by explaining to our listeners what MedCom is and what your role is at MedCom? Okay, that's that's a very good question um, because MedCom is really an acronym for what you said earlier. It's the uh, acronym for United States Army Medical Command. Now, Again, people are quite familiar with what the military people do. I mean, we know the whole thing is protect the country, keep us safe, and sometimes they have to go fight wars. Now, with that in mind, we're all familiar with seeing TV and we see the tent set up and all those kind of things. Well, that's not MedCom. I want you to think of MedCom as the hard buildings on the bases, the clinics, the, the medical centers, the facilities that our, our dependents and our active duty and our retirees and everyone else go to and, you know, where you have a hard time trying to find some place to park sometimes and all that kind of stuff. But it, that is MedCom. It's the hospital, the hardened building. And we have like over 70 plus locations out there that we're trying to if you will, staff with civilian employees. Now, you know, when I say civilian employees, a lot of times when we're out there, uh, as a matter of fact, um, I'm at an event now in Washington, D.C., and we're we're trying to build up an awareness to people that MedCom is hiring. Because most people, Joyce, when you think back to, it was 1973 that we ended the draft. Now, before that, almost every house 
household in America, not, not quite all of them, but a lot of them were touched by someone in the military because people were being drafted. Well, when that went away, what happened was the, the whole demographic of who serves in the military shrunk considerably. And so consequently, the only thing people know about the military is what they see on TV or maybe read in the newspaper. So people are really quite surprised that you can actually work for the Army and not be in the Army. As a matter of fact, approximately 65% of the Army Medical Command is civilians. And that there's a reason for that is because the civilians have to do they have to keep up the the continuity of care to provide uh, be there so people have access to care because our our population that we serve again is the active duty their dependents retirees and their dependents because the military people again have to do what they do and that's protect us and go fight the wars now what is my role with with the uh, medical command my role is I am chief of the recruitment and retention branch and we're we're trying to very pro we're actually we have not trying we've developed one um, um, proactive recruitment program to go out and find people and let them know that they have they have a great opportunity to work for the United States Army as a civilian because we're trying to get out of the the old federal government way, what I call the double P method of recruitment, and that was to post and pray that somebody finds a job. And that's not going to happen when you have medical people who are in great demand right now. They're, they're passive applicants, if you will. So we have to go after them and give them the opportunity and let them know about the opportunities that we have with the United States Army Medical Command. Wow. Wow. It's amazing how many civilians work for the government. Oh, my. I mean, I'm sorry, work for the military. I bet a lot of people don't know that. Well, not just the military now. And, and, and we're talking right now specifically about the United States Army. And, again, about 60% of MEDCOM. Now, we're not talking about the rest of the Army. We're just talking about MEDCOM are civilians. Now, the other branches, the Navy, the Air Force, Marines, and all that, yeah, they do have civilians working for them, but by far, the Army is the largest employer of civilians of all the medical, I mean, excuse me, of all the armed forces. Mm. Very interesting. Well, Dr. Harrison, you retired from the United States Air Force as a Medical Services Corps officer, and my question is, did active duty in the military provide you with better insight in the world of HR and recruitment? I, I'm going to say <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> um, it was a catalyst for me to, to actually make human resources and recruitment a career after I finished um, my um, term in the Air Force. Because the, as a Medical Service Corps officer, I was, a, um, if you will, an administrative person, a health services administrator, uh, in charge of basically, you know, I, we like to, we used to say running the hospital because you had all the clinical people doing what they do, and that's treating patients, but someone had to be there to actually run the place, and that's what we did. Now, there was a, uh, um, towards mm, maybe about midway of my career, an opportunity came along for me to go into recruitment, and that was to recruit medical folks. Um, actually, I ended up recruiting all the officers, but they started off as the medical, the doctors, the nurses, the psychiatrists, and so forth like that. And 
that bug really hit me. Now, what happened is that was like a control tour, as they call it. It was like for three years I did that, and then I went back to the hospital. Now, while I was working in the hospital, of course, there was opportunities for me to work in, as we called it back then, personnel and administration, which is basically <laughs> human resources. So when when I got out of the when I retired from the Air Force, um, I gravitated towards the, the areas that I was more comfortable with and the things that I really like to do. You know, because I tell you, it's, it's, it's a blessing, Joyce, to be able to go to work and actually enjoy your job. It makes it feel like I'm not even at work. Well, you know what? You can tell. <laughs> you have a very positive, enthusiastic orientation, which is, I must tell you, so refreshing. I, I agree with you. If you go to work and you enjoy what you're doing, really, it isn't like work. And that's why I tell people, if you hate going to work, you got the wrong job. Exactly. Because I, I'm like you. You know, I'm a woman living with epilepsy and a hearing loss, uh, and I fortunately founded this company Vendor Consulting Services that I'm the founder of, and what we do is employ people with disabilities, yes. partner with the private sector and public. So, for example, one of my big customers is the NSA, the National Security Agency, mm-hmm. but I also work with the Navy, you know, hiring people uh, with disabilities. Right. And, and to me, it's like I'm on a crusade. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I do. I do. Uh, you know, Joyce, that was a very good segue into what we're doing with the United States Army Medical Command. We are, every well, not everyone, but a large majority of people, especially people who work with people with disabilities such as yourself, are, are familiar with um, the Executive Order 1354-8 that um, President Obama signed um, just last year. And I thought it was significant, honestly. Um, these things were always there saying that, you know, we, we need to try to concentrate on hiring people with disabilities and all those things, except it really didn't have a lot of teeth in it, I guess that's the way to put it. So when this executive order came out, we got energized because it, when you think about it, Joyce, I mean, just because someone has a disability doesn't mean that they're incapable of being a positive contributor to to society and a job. Because myself, um, now I'm not one with as as we're looking for the targeted disabilities. Now, when we say targeted disabilities for your listening audience, if, if they don't understand that, basically it's, it's the ones that people would think of are, are that are more severe. Um, and and I will say, you know, like amputations, um, um, hearing loss, and blindness, uh, those kind of things that people can kind of, I guess they would look at people and go like, oh, yeah, they're, dis- they're disabled, you know. And a lot of things we have, like PTSD, which is invisible, but it affects so many people. Um, those are the, the illness, excuse me, the disabilities and illnesses that we're saying, like, okay, we want to get these people hired. We want to make them productive because they are productive. Just because someone has a disability doesn't mean that they can't be productive. And so we, 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 we set out to, to actually if you will, to be proactive on getting the word out, getting people out, just like we do with going out to hire our medical folks. Now, 
These, the people that we're trying to get, we want people to understand that they would be working in an army hospital. And, and so, but they don't have to, they don't have to be a doctor. It'd be great if we had a doctor or social, social worker or whatever, but they don't have to be because there are a lot of people who make those hospitals run. It's just like I was telling you earlier, the thing I did when I was on active duty. It takes all of that to make the hospital run. The only thing we want people to do is we want them to go to our website, and that's civilianmedicaljobs.com. I'm going to say it one more time civilianmedicaljobs.com. We're going to encourage all of your listeners and, and any of your healthcare people, the clinical type folks, to go to that website because it, when you when you go to the website, they'll see um, one little, um, if you will, kind of a radio button that says um, jobs for people with disabilities information. If they click on that, it will give them a, a great understanding of the kind of folks that it's, when I say the kind of folks, because disabilities range in severity, um, and it's not that we don't want all people with disabilities, but we're really trying to get the people that have the more severe disabilities employed, and we're trying to break these stereotypes that are out there with people. You know, Joyce, with us, you know, we're where I'm at actually is um, – I'm actually stationed, if you will, at Fort Sam Houston, which is in San Antonio, Texas. And we get a lot of our wounded warriors coming back through there, through the Center of Intrepid, so we can get people rehabilitated. A lot of amputees, a lot of burn victims. And those folks are really, you know, after they get through the initial phases of it and they get back to living again, they want to be productive people just like they were before that injury happened to them. You know what I find, and it just kind of, is it's kind of funny in a way if you think about it. If you ever, and I'm, I'm encouraging the listening audience to do this if they if they're not aware of it. If if you or I'm going to ask you, have you ever noticed if a person with a disability comes into a waiting room or something like that, everyone sits away from them like it's contagious or something? And Absolutely. That, that's always bewildered me. I'm like. They're no different than the rest of us. They just happen to have this disability. Now, you know, it's just like with me. Now, I have a disability through my service connection, but people wouldn't see it. But, you know, it's like it's not going to stop me from doing the things I do. And it's the same thing with the other folks. All they want is an opportunity. And so we're trying to provide that opportunity for them. Now, there's one thing they will have to do when they go to apply for the jobs is that they have to have what we call a Schedule A letter. Now, basically, all that is is that it's, it's proof that they have this disability. Now, our veterans can get it from, of course, the Veterans Administration and people who are not veterans because we're not just concentrating on veterans. We're concentrating on the entire population of the United States. They can get a, a letter from either like a state voc rehab counselor or uh, their physician or any medical professional like that that on their letterhead that states the, the uh, particular disability that this person has and also states that, yes, they are capable of performing the job, of course, with or without reasonable accommodations. And so when they do that, and I'm going to encourage them, go to the website again, civilianmedicaljobs.com, and you, you read up on the Schedule A letters, and, and what it is is we call it accepted service. It's like they will get a special consideration for jobs. 
states because everyone knows it's very difficult to get a job with the government. I mean, it's almost like you got to know the secret handshake. But this is a way that we can get folks up to the top of the line, if you will, and it's called accepted service so that they will go push. Actually, their, their, their resumes and their application gets pushed to the top once they meet that certain criteria. And that's, again, getting the information we need from the, from the letters, the um, Schedule A letters, or from a letter from a voc rehab or their physician. Now, one thing we're going to ask people is that they have to be applying for a job that's in the medical facility. Now, again, we're not a training organization. The people have to have the requisite skills for these jobs. So if they're a radiology technician or if they're a hospital administrator or if they're a social worker or whatever they may be, they have to have those requisite skills and they have to understand this is not a training program. But we are, again, going to push people to the top of the list. And we will get in touch with people. You know, one thing that we, we don't like, and, and every, I don't think anyone likes it, actually, is that you submit your resume or your application and you don't hear anything. It like goes into a black hole. Well, we're pri- we pride ourselves on not doing that because we want people to know. Now, we may not hire them. The people may not get hired. However, it won't be because they didn't, no one got in touch with them and talked to them. So we're trying to make it as, as regular and normal, if you will, as possible because we really want to beat this stereotype that people have of people with disabilities. Well, I want to tell you one thing about that. <clears throat> Our company has a contract with the Office of Personnel Management, uh-huh. and they have created a list called the Bender List. Uh-huh. And every month we have to send them 50 people with disabilities in areas like IT, engineering, finance, uh-huh. accounting. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Anyone, including you in the federal government, can go directly to that list, which is on the OMB website, uh-huh. and hire someone direct. With no fee, no fee to anyone. And I'm telling you that because of what you said earlier. You know how people think there aren't any jobs? There are. There are jobs. Yes. So, you know, if you're listening to the show, you're hearing Dr. Harrison, I really hope you'll go to his website. I really hope that you'll realize there are opportunities um, where you can move forward and work for the federal government. The opportunity is there. And with that, I'm going to go to break. I am Joyce Bender, Disability Matters, on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Dr. Joseph Harrison. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. 
At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. We have a great guest today. We're talking to Dr. Joseph Harrison, Jr. He is the Chief Civilian Human Resources Division Recruitment and Retention Branch for the United States Army Medical Command. MedCom, and it has been a pleasure having him on the show today. I think when you listen to him, you'll agree with me about his enthusiasm. And I have to ask you, Dr. Harrison, yes, ma'am. young people listening to the show today, thinking of a career in the military, mm-hmm. what advice do you have for them? Well, you know, people often ask me that, um, what do you think about a career in the military? And, and I will say it's, it's up to that individual because the military is, is a career if, if a person chooses to go that way. And I'll put it to you like this. When I went into the Air Force, I did not plan on making it a career. <laughs> I actually went in to get money for education. However, 22 years, five months, and one day later, I finally got out. And I would say to people that if they want to go into the military, they they must understand that the military is a unique situation. It's not like, uh, see, I grew up in Akron, Ohio. And in Akron, Ohio, at that time, we had the the big rubber companies, the factories, uh, you know, um, Firestone, Goodyear, and all those kind of things. And... It was more of an industrial blue-collar type city. Now, for me, it was an opportunity for me to to break that and to and it, and really because I was really kind of what's the word I want to say I was a little bit more ambitious than some other people. So I'm going to say to people that if if you are not afraid of newness, you're not afraid of change, um, you're not. Let me see what word I want to say. You're not going to restrict yourself to the growth opportunities. Then I say, try the military. And if it's not for you, after you do your first tour, get out. But you may end up like me and deciding to stay in. So it, it all depends. You know, as a matter of fact, I'm, work, I'm talking to a friend of mine's son right now. He is actually going to go into the Air Force. But he's going into the Air Force for a reason that, um, that I think a lot of people do. He wants to get 
the training that's going to be provided to him. Now, of course, that's usually on the enlisted side. On the officer side, uh, most of those people, of course, they're coming out with degrees, and they're looking for other things. For instance, they may be looking for professional growth or those kind of things and, and opportunities. So, uh, you know, I'm going to say it worked out well for me. Um, some people, it's not for them. I hope that answered your question. Yes, it did. And just as you said, though, you know, I heard someone speak today about seizing the opportunity. Mm-hmm. You, may, you take this chance, but you never know what opportunities will come by just as you look at what you've done. Yes. And I know, I know that at MedCom, you're leading the charge to increase the hiring of people with disabilities. How, how is that going, Dr. Harrison? Actually, it's, it's going pretty well, actually, Joyce, because um, I will tell you, we're in our infancy with this, okay? And so we have hired a person that his primary job is to help us get this program going. And most of the people, when they apply to the program, they're going to hear from him. His name is Mr. Reginald Tony. Uh, he's new to us. He's been with us about maybe three or four months now. And when we've got him and us in particular, we're going to a lot of events to, if you will, get ourselves educated because we just, we honestly, we just don't know. And so in order for that to happen, I'll give you a good example of when I'm saying we just don't know. One of the things that we do every year um, with the Civilian Corps, the Recruitment Retention Branch, is that we do focus groups and we go out to various parts of the country. We try to go to a different part of the country. Um, this year, we're going to be going to New Mexico. We're going to um, um, Bismarck, North Dakota. We're going to Columbus, Ohio, and Tallahassee, Florida. Now, there aren't a lot of Army bases in those areas, and that's why we're going there because, again, remember we, we talked earlier about the awareness factor that the Army has jobs for people. But when we go out to do these focus groups, we're actually taking our literature, we, we show them the website, and we're saying, like, hey, look at this. Tell us, is this, is this going to be attractive to you? Is this going to make you want to come and at least um, question us to see what's going on? And, and one thing, we, we um, of course, initially, you know, we come up with things that we think are going to work because we want to get, get it out there in front of people. But we want the people that, that we're trying to attract to tell us because one thing we sure don't want to be is we don't want to be offensive to people. And so a lot of times we found that, you know, where, where it doesn't affect me, I'm thinking like, well, that's okay. Well, what's wrong with that? But to someone else, it might be offensive. And if those are the people we're targeting, we most definitely don't want to do that. So the best way to find out is to actually go and ask people. And so we actually learn a lot from these focus groups, and it also additionally helps us spread the awareness of that the United States Army Medical Command uh, is hiring. Right, right. And, you know, good luck on everything you're doing. And I want to thank you because I think that's wonderful. I really do. So um, you talked before about President Obama and the executive order. Actually, I go to different agencies and I speak yes. with Cream Dale from the White House, with EEOC, with the Department of Labor um, about the executive order. Yes. And my question to you is what impact do you think this is having? 
I think, again, uh, uh, um, I'll kind of reiterate a little bit of what I said earlier. It's bringing things to the forefront. It's, it's putting it on the front burner. Um, it's just like us. We, we have a very proactive program that we're developing to go out and reach out and touch people. Uh, again, you know, a lot of people in situations, you know, like I said, not just the military, not just the wounded warriors, not just, you know, the people in the state agencies, there are a lot of people out there who I truly believe, um, even though they're disabled, they have a lot of skills. And, and there's a big stigma out there. And I think this executive order is, is forcing us, when I say us, I'm talking about people with the United States government, to, to go out and, and get a little proactive with this because it's like we are the United States government. And it's like the United States government, you know, the Congress and everyone is making these laws. And it's like, well, we need to be setting the example. We're trying to get private industry, and and if you if if you recall, President Obama has um, something going on that you know hire a vet. And they're going to give people tax breaks and all this stuff. So it's like, well, wait a minute. We're the federal government. We should be the ones setting the example. We should be the standard, and people should be trying to get up over our standards. So I think that that the the executive order thirteen five four eight was something that was like the catalyst, if you will, to get the federal government engaged in something that we already were doing, but we, it just wasn't at the forefront. Well, it is now, and I know they're serious about it. I know that they are publishing where every agency is. So I really, really applaud President Obama for what he has done. <clears throat> but you know, there is a very low employment percentage Yes. For servicemen and women. Yes. Uh, which blows my mind because I always say, here's someone you don't know that's willing to put their life on the line for you. How could you not want to hire them? So why do you think that is? Well, Joyce, you know, if you remember um, a little earlier in our conversation, we were talking about the demographics of people who serve in the military, how it's, it's really gotten a lot smaller than it was, say, 30, 40 years ago, uh, actually more than about 40, 50 years ago. But th- because people are, are not exposed to this, they don't know. You know, there was a friend of mine, uh, even when I was on active duty, that I grew up with, and his brother was in the Air Force. Uh, he he went to a base, and he's like, "Well, well, what do you guys do?" You know, because he's used to the factory. You know, and it's like I say, "No, this is this is not the factory." You know, this is this is what we do with the military, and. If people, what people don't understand is like, let's just give an example. I talked to you about the young people who uh, were coming in enlisted. Okay, these people may have just come out of high school, maybe one or two years. And then we also look at the, the people who've graduated from college who may come in as officers. Both of them are young folks. They're, they're young people. But they are thrust in a position of responsibility far beyond that of their peer group that is not serving in the military. I mean, these people are responsible for other people's lives. They're responsible for million-dollar equipment. And they, 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 they received this training and they've done well at it or else they wouldn't be on active duty. Now, the problem, again, one of the major problems is that, and I try to help especially the young, well, actually the young and old, whoever's getting out, I asked them, I said, let me see your resume. Because one of the biggest problems that we have, and I want you to think about this, is like, 
when a person comes into the military, they're usually fairly young, okay? They're in their late teens, early 20s, most of the time. Okay, now, when, if they decide to make it a career, or even if they only stay in four years, for this adult portion of their life, that's all they've known, okay? They haven't had to go out and do an interview and put a resume together and all those kind of things that people would do on the outside. So consequently, when they put a resume out there, it has a lot of military jargon in it that people on the outside have no idea. I'm going to give you an example. When we say the term commander, people in the military, they understand the broad responsibilities of a commander. But if you take that outside defense, as I call it, and you put that on your resume and say, oh, I was a commander of um, blankety, blankety, blank for four years. They're like, well, what does that mean? They have no clue. So you have to convert that, that, that military language to civilianese, you know, whether it's like you were the chief executive officer or whatever you want, however people want to put it, but they have to change it to civilianese so that the civilian population, which is the majority of our country, will understand what they were doing and the responsibilities that they had. Right, right. Well, Dr. Harrison, you know I am very impressed with your enthusiasm and how passionate you are. So I have to ask you this question. Obviously, someone had an impact on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who would you say? Who would you consider your role model? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I want to tell you who I really consider cons, um, considered my role model, and uh, actually it was my mother. And um, I didn't have her too long. She died when I was um, um, a teenager. And um, but the the impact um, that she had, um, her her thing was that you you have to seize opportunities and you have to work hard. When I say that, it's like her her philosophy was sometimes you have to do the things you don't want to do in order to get to the point that you can do the things that you do want to do. And that may take some work and sacrifice. And so that's always stuck with me. And it's the same thing with what we're doing right now with the uh, with the disability hiring and trying to get this program going. You know, there's a lot of things we're doing, a lot of, if you will, grunt work that we're trying to get this thing going. But eventually, we hope that it will be going to the point that we're that it's doing what we wanted to do. It's, it's bringing people in. It's getting that awareness out there so that then we have, if you will, we have a flow of people applying to these things. But right now, we have to do, if you will, we have to do the grunt work, and that's ground-level <clears throat> ground work to build this program up. So uh, to, to bring that back to your question, I would say it was my mother. Wow. Well, she obviously had a good impact on you. That's wonderful. Now, you know, one thing I I wanted to ask you, which is about something else you stated, at MedCom, when you're putting together all these hiring plans, do you work on on getting a mentor for these new people? Well, you know, that's something that... um, not officially, okay? Um, we're not at that point yet. And, and the reason I say that is because when you come to work for the United States Army Medical Command, we're worldwide, 
okay? And, I mean, we're a, the Army is a very large organization. Uh, a lot of, if you will, a lot of small entities that make up a, one big giant entity. So it, it's kind of hard, if you will, to establish a, a formal mentorship. Now, what we're hoping that happens is that when the people are um, employed and hired to work at a particular facility, that someone at that facility, and we're, we're trying to get that going right now, that will be there to at least help them get started and get through some of that unfamiliarity that most people go through anyway. But when you have people coming into the system that don't speak the military jargon and don't understand the military culture, it can be kind of a culture shock to them. But we're hoping that at least the supervisors and all those people when we when we're um when we're having those folks interview these people that they understand that okay you've got it's not just like you're hiring someone off the street to go again I hate to use the term but to go work at Firestone um just an example nothing against Firestone but it's a little different when you're coming in to work for in this case the United States Army because again you have people that are moving around people are rotating you have diversity in the military that is far beyond diversity outside of the fence. I mean, because every, we have all kind of people. But, and if you look at it, even now, we have some of our wounded warriors coming back, and they're allowing those folks to actually stay on active duty. Now, I'm hoping that some of those people will be the people that can step up and help mentor some of our civilians coming in with, with disabilities and help them to navigate it in, at least that initial entry point so that it'll be a smooth transition for them. Yeah, what is, how is it different? When you talk about the culture, how is it mm. different? Oh, well, you know, when, you, when people serve in the military, and even when people have uh, work as civilians, it, it's more than just a job when I say that. It, it really is because people who work for the government, or in this case for the United States Army, you're not going to get rich. And we have some very talented people in there. It's more of a of a calling, if you will. People feel it when they're when they're going to work. I mean, there there's a purpose in them going to work, and it's not, and it's not, obviously it's not to see how much money I can make. So most of these people who are working in the military are already sacrificing themselves for the greater country. And so when you when you if you're not used to that kind of stuff and you and then you're you're coming into it, you know, people will if if you will we have to send people home sometime because people were like, No, I can stay, I can work and it's like, No, you need to go home. So, you know, a lot of times you don't have that same dedication, if you will, um, outside the where things are more, if you will, uh, money, economic motivation as opposed to a service um, for a greater good. Wow. Well, you know, a lot. you mentioned young people. There are a lot of young people with disabilities who are bullied, who are told they can't do it, right. you know, who are pushed down. If they're listening to the show right now and they realize, wow, I'd love to work at MedCom, but again, they're facing all these obstacles. Yes. What advice would you have for them? Well, I'm going to say again, go to our website, civilianmedicaljobs.com. Again, I'm going to say it again, civilianmedicaljobs.com. And go to the section that talks about um, jobs for people with disabilities. And, and, and actually, 
read it and and put in an application. And if you, if they don't, you can actually through the website. People can actually ask questions. And we're trying to you know we're trying to stay on top of it to make sure our website stays ADA compliant. Of course, if we're trying to get higher people with disabilities, and so again. We will, someone will get back in touch with them. I mean, because if they ask the question through the website, you will get an answer. Because it can be confusing. I mean, it it really can. Uh, especially, you know, some people, this may be their first job, you know. And some people, again, may be in a situation that, uh, you know, like some of our former military people, they've never really had to go out to uh, try to get a job. Uh, or, or actually apply for a job. And so what we're trying to do is make it easy for people, and we definitely want to make ourselves available to them if they have questions. So hopefully they can, at, through the website, uh, we've got it set up like this, Joyce. They can apply to the job. Um, they can ask questions, uh, and they can apply to, like, several jobs. We allow them to apply to up to, um, up to three different jobs. Okay, and it may be in three different locations. It doesn't really matter. But, again, we want people to make sure they have those requisite skills. And we will actually, if they want us to, you know, they can submit the resume and we can tell them, you know, well, yeah, you don't have the requisite skills for this, but maybe this or maybe not. Um, you know, but we will give people a very honest, objective approach and, uh, um, uh, excuse me, a review of their resume and, and try to help them on the things they need to do to try to get employed. So uh, that, that, um, that's the best we can do at this point. But we're trying well, to make it better. Good. That's a good opportunity. And with that, listen, <clears throat> we're going to go to break. If you just joined us, we're talking to Dr. Joseph Harrison, Jr. from MedCom, the United States Army Medical Command, and he is leading the charge to employ Americans with disabilities. You are listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be back to close the show with Dr. Harrison. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S., 
and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. Listen, if you have a child or know of someone interested in the military, interested in jobs with the federal government, you've got to tell them about MedCom. Here's an agency very committed in the United States Army to employing people with disabilities. And remember, this show is archived. All my shows for the past nine years, you can still go hear them at BenderConsult.com or VoiceAmerica.com. So if you know of someone that you want to share this with, just call and let them know. Um, And Dr. Harrison, I have to tell you, uh, everyone that's ever been on my show, I have asked these next two questions. Okay. And I find that the next one seems to be the hardest for people to answer, but Um, I'll ask you, Uh, it's very obvious by your very prestigious uh, background that you have accomplished so much in your life already, but if you had to consider one thing your greatest accomplishment, what would that be? Um, I'm still um, working towards that, and, and that is my ability to perform and to have myself available to service to others and i'm 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 really working on that uh, so i will say to you that my greatest accomplishment is that i i began to realize that service to others is is so important and that i'm i'm having some opportunities to do that so i that that's my greatest accomplishment Wow, what a great accomplishment that will be, although I believe you are already doing that. Um, It's just you're being humble about this. But let, let me ask you a question along those lines. Do you not agree that today, whether it's in the federal government or in the private sector, that really a great leader serves versus dictates? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, great leaders, um, at least from my experience, are people that can, if you will, excite people to a cause. Because it, it, when people have a cause, they, they become focused and, and, and they have something. Um, they, all, they all are focused on the same goal. And so, so to me, a leader does that. And, you know, that, and, you know, I'm sure when you asking me that question, you know, there's a big difference between being a great manager and a great leader. Um, the leader may not necessarily know all the details, but he sure or she can sure inspire people to do something. Right. That is so true. And, you know, in the world of work, uh, people watch everything we do. We, you know, we have to remember what an impact we have on others every day of our lives. Um, and you are so enthusiastic and positive. But everyone, you know, goes through times where they have issues. You, you seem to be able to deal with that extremely well. Uh, what would you attribute that to? Like, what do you do to maintain this attitude? Well, Joyce, um, 
In, in reality, um, my, my beliefs and my spirituality, um, I believe there's the one thing we have no control over, and that's waking up in the morning, okay? So after the good Lord wakes us up in the morning, the rest of it's on us. And so we, we're, we, we make it what we want. So um, if, if, you know, I share that with people because that's what I believe. I mean, it's like I'm very blessed. I mean, I realize I'm very blessed. And I always try to share that with others because, you know, Joyce, in reality, um, it, you know, it doesn't matter if people are uh, disabled, if they're not disabled. Uh, smile at people. Make people happy. You know, that kind of goes back to that thing I said about service. It's like you, you, if you can make someone happy, you really don't know. That person could have been on the brink of doing something disastrous. I mean, you know, suicide or something. And you actually smiled, made it, made them happy, and it may have changed their whole outlook on, on life and just turned them into a whole different direction. So, again, I mean, when I tell people I'm doing, I'm doing so good, it should be two of me, but I share it, I'm serious. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> Well, you know, what do you do to motivate people at work that are not like that? What do you do? Well, you know what, Joyce, that's that's very difficult because, again, um, it, it's, a, it's an awareness factor, I, I truly believe. Um, and the only thing that I can do is try to help people realize the awareness factor in themselves. Because, you know, again, when we talk about what we're talking about here, people with disabilities, you know, we've had people who are walking around, uh, you know, they, they've got two good legs, um, they, you know, they don't have to go to the doctor and all this, and they're, like, miserable. And it's like, what are you so unhappy about? You know, and I look at people, and then, you know, someone will come in and may have been burned or, or something like that. And they're going through all these, you know, painful surgeries trying to come back. And, again, those, you know, we're trying to provide opportunities for those folks. And I just want people to take a look at them. You know, again, I told you I'm down at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas. And every day, I mean, just walking around the base normally, we see people who've come back who have been, you know, maimed from this war that we're in. And, you know, when you look and you look at that and you look at these folks and how they're, they're trying to get themselves back, to, you know, become productive citizens. And then I look at me, I'm like, what issues do I have? I don't have any issues. <laughs> so it's like I try to get people to realize, you know, again, it's like take a look and see how blessed you really are. And, don't, you know, and then I think after that people will be like, oh, you know what, you're absolutely right. It is. Life is good for me. So Yeah, and I agree with you 100% because, you know, I had an almost fatal accident. You know, and here I am, and I am thankful every day of my life. And what I believe is that attitude is a choice. Yes. You know, you can get up in the morning and say, I'm going to have a great day or a miserable day, but, you know, it doesn't pay to be a whiner because you're missing out on all the great things that life has to offer. And, and before we close the show today, uh, first I want to thank you. This has been Dr. Joseph Harrison from MedCom, and I want to thank you. It has been a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, plus, your attitude is infectious, so hopefully everyone that is listening will get that same positive attitude and spirit that you have. But 
If you had to leave one message with our listeners today, what would that be? That would be, um, I would like you to, or if I was speaking to an individual or a group, I would just say to people, um, hone your service skills, that the, the services that you're providing to others. Um, there's one thing I'm trying to do, I, I haven't got there yet, is when I answer the phone, I want to ask people, how can I serve you, um, so that uh, it'll, it'll start sticking in my head. So that's what I would say, Joyce, is that um, think of service to others when you're out there. Yes, amen to that. Well, we end every show with a quote from a civil rights leader or an individual that has really impacted the lives of people with disabilities. So today that has to be Senator Dick Durbin, who said, we owe our disabled veterans more than speeches, parades, and monuments. And isn't that the truth? That's why you need to hire people, not just put together a parade. Exactly. You agree with that, Dr. Harrison? Oh, yes, ma'am. You know, it's like uh, most of the people coming back from the war or even you know, even people who may have been in a car accident or whatever, you know, these people are, are working hard to be become productive again, and we need to help them as much as possible. We all need help. It's like I tell my children, I say, you don't, you don't get anywhere in this world by yourself. Someone helps you. Amen to that. Well, hey, hey, we... Really enjoyed having you on the show, and I look forward to talking to you all next week. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 